Welcome to Flowcast. Today I'm here with Sister Beth Murphy and Sister Jean Patrick Earhart. And today we're going to be talking about the history of the rosary, the making of the rosary, the types of rosaries there are, and Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Sister Jean Patrick, Sister Beth, happy Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Thanks, Jeremiah. Thank you, Jeremiah. This is a, a feast that is often associated with Dominicans. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't. I didn't know that, sister. And why is that? Well, there is a legend that Mary, the mother of Jesus, gave St. Dominic a rosary. That really turns out to be nothing more than a legend. But there is a deep connection between Dominicans, Mary, and the rosary, which we'll talk about shortly. It's wonderful to have Sister Jean Patrick with us today. It is. And I sure know why Sister Jean Patrick is famous for making rosaries. So we could say this is your special feast day, right, Sister Jean Patrick? Yes. Can you tell me something about why the rosary is so special to you? My history with the rosary starts with my family. We traveled 18 miles to school every day first grade to senior in high school. And we as a family traveled a lot on Sundays and weekdays. And we always, first thing got in the car, we said the rosary. Before I entered the convent, we had traveled to all 48 contiguous states. So I'm sure we said the rosary in every state. My sister Regina even has a rosary collection. So that is a lot of rosaries, Sister Jean Patrick. Right. <laughs> A lot of traveling. You said you said the rosary every time you got into the car? Every time we got in the car. Do you still have that habit of doing that today? When I travel, yes. Mm -hmm. When I go out of town, not particularly here in Springfield. Right. It takes 20 minutes usually to say the rosary, something like that. Yeah, so you need to have a longer trip in order to yes, accomplish right. the rosary. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Some people think of it as a unique and particular Catholic thing. And in some ways it is, and in other ways it isn't. The rosary as we know it today really did not exist until the 15th century, in spite of the fact that we have this legend of, of uh, Mary giving Dominic the rosary. And in fact, here in our chapel at Sacred Heart Convent, we have a beautiful mosaic that depicts that story of Dominic receiving a rosary from Mary. But beads have been used in many traditions actually for millennia as counting devices. So it starts to make sense, right? There are stories of the early desert mothers and fathers, the earliest people that we would think of as religious sisters and brothers, taking fistfuls of pebbles and putting them in their lap and then pitching one out every time they said a prayer. I had not known that until recently. So I think that's pretty interesting that the pebbles were the first form of this kind of very um, physical embodied prayer. Before he became the founder of the Order of Preachers, Dominic was a canon regular, and that means he was attached to a cathedral church. And one of his primary purposes in life was to pray in that cathedral church, what we call the Liturgy of the Hours praying the Psalms every day. Now, praying the Psalms is a good thing to do if you can read and if you have access to books. But in the Middle Ages, books were quite scarce. They had to all be handwritten, of course. 
and literacy was really even scarcer. Not that many people could read. So now you've got this need of having followers of Jesus who want to be prayerful people and participate in this tradition of praying together eight times a day, which was the, the tradition in the monastic communities back then. How can they do that if they can't read or if they don't have access to books? So that's the origin of the rosary as we know it. Instead of praying the Psalms from a book, monks and sisters or nuns, they would have called them, who traveled would use these knotted ropes. And instead of praying the Psalms, which they did not have with them on their persons, they would pray our fathers and Hail Marys. And it was the Dominican innovation. It was Dominic's idea to add the Hail Marys to that. So primarily it was our fathers that would have been prayed. Dominic added the idea of praying Hail Marys. And so that's how we got the idea of the rosary. That's how it was born. And again, I don't have any historical research to back me up, but it seems to make a lot of practical sense that praying with pebbles in your lap would not work very well if you were walking on the roads between the cities of Europe, right, Gene Patrick? Right. So it's a good thing you learned how to make rosaries. So now Sister Jean Patrick's rosaries start to make sense. How did you get started making rosaries, Sister Jean Patrick? My rosary making goes back to the summer of 1993. I was assigned to vacation Bible school in Husser, Louisiana. Brenda was teaching the high schoolers. I was teaching grade school students. After class, Brenda was teaching the students to make rope rosaries. I was fascinated. It was white only in the beginning. I was fortunate to get the white material, number 36 nylon fish cord, <laughs> from my family who had the hardware store. I loved making them and giving them away. I don't remember what year I discovered colored rosary rope. Twine by Design is the company where I order them from now on the computer. They have 36 variegated, 21 solid colors, and they name them by the colors that they are. Like there's one called Hail Mary, with one Pope Francis, and then there's one called keeper of peace. And I have a little story about one of those. I was giving them away here at the mother house at an open house. And this lady was looking at them and would like to have one. And she, and I told her the name of that one was keeper of peace. And she says, Oh, that's the one I want because my husband is a police officer. That's a cool story. Yeah. Isn't it what neat? Color, what color was the keeper of the peace? Uh, it, it's, it's a, a blue and black. You wouldn't think it would look well together, but some of the sisters even said that was their favorite. And then I started going to uh, Adrian, Michigan. I think it was 2011 when I first went to the Dominican High School Preachers Conference up there to teach rosary making and to get the students involved with loving the rosary as I did. I attended for nine years until 2020 when the COVID struck. And one of my other favorite stories about the rosaries was when I made 250 red rosaries for the students at St. Agnes in Chicago Heights. Sister Santina had asked me to make those and 
that's what I did. That was a pretty big order, 250, but we made it. I'm still making them. As I say, I love giving them away. I don't like to give the idea that, that you know, I'm, that they're paying for the rosary, uh, but many people will give me donations and that's how I keep going with ordering more rosary material. And the colors are just beautiful. So I've uh, been wanting to ask you this, Sister Jane Patrick. Yes. Right now, I am holding a rosary, and I'm going to describe it for our listeners. It is, I'll say, like a lime, orange, and a dark green color rosary. Do you know what type of rosary this is? I think it might be the Pope Francis. Yeah, I think it is Pope Francis. It's named Pope Francis because it's kind of a, a regal looking. Pope Francis. Okay, this is the Pope uh-huh. Francis yeah. rosary. And, and the rosary, as you see, it has like 10 Hail Marys. And then it has a larger one. That's the Our Father bead. Yeah. And so there are five decades. Now, we used to wear here at the mother house, the sisters used to wear a 15 decade rosary on their belts. Well, we should talk about decades and the number of beads. I, I implied that, I think, earlier, but we really didn't make it clear. So the tradition is decade is 10 years, right? So we talk about a decade of the rosary is in our father and 10 Hail Marys. And each of those decades, uh, the person who is praying that is supposed to focus on what we call the mysteries of the rosary, stories from the life of Jesus and Mary. But where did we come up with this number? You know, so if you would pray a three-decade rosary, that would be 150 Hail Marys. Where does that number come from? Well, it did not get pulled out of thin air. That is the number of Psalms in the Psalter, in the book of Psalms. Yeah, neat. So that's where that number comes from. It's meant to, again, imitate that praying of the Psalter, the praying of the Psalms of the Old Testament. And, and so, that- yes, you're right. When I came, uh, Sister Jean Patrick, when I came to community, I did not have a three-decade rosary. They asked us to only bring a one-decade rosary. So by the time I came along, we had already shortened those those rosaries. You mean a five decade, don't you? A five, or a five decade. decade rosary. Yeah. They were 15 and then right. cut down to five. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and what I see a lot of young people with these days, maybe you've seen them too, are little, I think they would call them chaplets, one decade rosaries, or these rings that just have 10 little notches on them so they can wear this right. ring and I'll pray through the rosary that way. Have you ever seen any of those? Well, I'm making one deck of groceries now, too, actually from my leftovers, <laughs> but I make one deck of, and you know, they're very popular, even with the sisters. Sister Pauletta loved my one deck of groceries. She said they're so easy to handle. And in fact, Sister Mary Stanley loved the one deck of grocery. Yeah. So yeah, I am making those, too. And, and those I'd be happy to give away. Yes. Yeah, what do you think is the advantage of the smaller one? Have it in your pocket a little easier. And in fact, children wear them on their wrist for a rosary bracelet. And they're blessed. These rosaries, when I make them, I have Mother Michael bless them. You know, the, the rosaries are blessed. So not only can people have these cool looking rosaries, 
but they are, it's also a blessing that's put into them. Right. They are That's blessed. really nice. That's really nice. I, I never knew that about the rosaries. Anyone who has prayed a rosary, I think, understands the attraction. It's you hold something physical and you're repeating the prayers in a kind of mantra that after a while, it allows your mind to focus on anything. You know, there, there really isn't a right or a wrong way to pray the rosary. That's what's beautiful about it. There are traditional ways of praying the rosary using the, the mysteries on certain days of the week. But depending on where you are personally in your own prayer life or what's happening in your life that day, you can do whatever you would like with that rosary. And I find, uh, especially in a moment of really high anxiety or high tension, I'm thinking back to a time about 15 years ago, a little longer than that, when my family was in a tornado and it was quite serious and we did not know whether they were dead or alive. As I was driving out to be with my mother as we were waiting for the news and everything turned out fine for my family, thanks be to God, but I was scared and very anxious and the only thing that I could do on that 20 minute drive out to my mother's to keep myself calm and focused was to pray the Our Father and the Hail Mary over and over. And that's what those beads help you do. If you are anxious, if you have concerns, fingering the beads as you pray has a real physical calming experience. I don't know, maybe you have a story like that too, Sister Jean Patrick. I do have a story, something like that. It was when we were still wearing the 15-decade rosary. I was on a home visit, and my nephew was giving plane rides. He was a pilot. And so, you know, I was going to be real brave and go on an airplane ride with him. And we were going over my hometown of Rushville. So it was fascinating. But there, we had a dip. I, get, I don't know if you've ever been in a little plane like that, but when it dipped and, oh, you know, it's kind of scary, but no. And he said, are you all right, sister? And I said, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. So we landed and there was a priest friend that was visiting and he said, oh, sister, were you, uh, were you nervous? I said, oh no, no, I was fine. He said, well, how come your crucifix is bent in half? And my crucifix was, I'm, I held it so tight with well, the crucifix on my rosary. It was bent. So that was my story. <laughs> but true, I, I know exactly what you mean. The Blessed Mother has answered so many prayers for me through the rosary. Yeah, a mother, a true mother. Yes. I do actually have a few more questions for you, Sister Jane Patrick. Okay. What would you say is the most amount of rosaries you've made at one time? Probably that 250 that I made for the children at St. Agnes. I did have an order from a priest had ordered a hundred, you know, and that takes a long time. And in fact, I had, uh, had another priest who I made a 15 decade one for him because his was uh, broken in. And so that was an experience too, figuring out how much material I needed and all that. Yeah. And how long does it take? For a five decade, it takes me 20 minutes to make one rosary to make one rosary well i can't finish them off you know the cross piece on the crucifix 
it's also made out of the material. So I do put that on afterwards. But as far as making the rest of it from start to end, yeah, 20 minutes. Sister Jean Patrick, I have made rosaries under your instruction. And I want you to know that it takes me a whole lot longer than 20 minutes. You are speedy. Yeah. And, and when I'm teaching those high school kids, it took them a lot longer, too. And, and you know, you, you do, you have to get used to it. I've, it's come so easy to me now that I can I make it come out even, you know. Uh, and that's the hardest thing when you're starting is to get those beads to be nice and even. Yeah, that's, that's difficult. Expert, expert level, <laughs> 20 that's minutes. Sure. That sounds like a record. You probably have never had a race, is my guess. You've never raced anybody. Hopefully not. <laughs> Sister Jane Patrick, what is it that goes through your mind as you're making the rosaries? That depends where I'm making them. <laughs> you know, I can sit in front of the TV and make rosaries. But if I'm really thinking about it yes then i then i'm i'm praying to the blessed mother she's been very good to me as she is to all her children and you know somebody said to me when you get to heaven and meet the blessed mother she's going to be so grateful to you for making all those rosaries and i think oh i hope so you know i hope that's the way it's going to be it's just been a pleasure to do these rosaries I, i've just learned to just love it but as far as what I'm thinking when I do each one, I don't know that that's, it's probably not a very holy thought sometimes. It's mostly just <laughs> if I'm sitting there watching TV, you know, but I do like, I, I, you know, as far as making them and then after they get blessed, of course, then that, that's a different story. That's, you know, I'm very careful with them and where I put them and how I give them away and all that. But I do love giving them away. I used to go more often than I do now with sisters to the doctor's offices. And I would be working on that there too. You know, I just to, to really to help me pass my time and also to get my rosaries made. And there would people would come up to me and say, sister, what are you doing? I said, well, the first question I usually say is, well, do you know what a rosary is? And so many of them do. They don't have to be Catholic. If they know what a rosary is. Many of them have requested one then. And so if they would give me their name and then I would send them a rosary afterwards. You know, So that was another way of, of passing my ministry along. Was a wonderful way really of, of evangelization, of sharing your faith with others in a really tangible way. And Catholics are not the only ones who pray with beads. In fact, I suspect, again, I'm not an expert in this, so I don't know for sure, but I suspect that there were, people were praying with beads in other traditions that predate the, the Catholic practice of it, simply because of that whole idea of counting things, you know? And I know that there are prayer beads that Muslim people use. There are prayer beads that Buddhists use. There are prayer beads that Hindus use. So I think it's a very human need to have something tactile that we use for our prayer and that people of all traditions really appreciate that, whether they're, whether they're Catholic or not. What do you think oh, about that? Yes, I agree. And if not, even if they, you know, they would say to me, we don't use it in my religion, but I know someone else or my relatives or some friend that is Catholic that uses the rosary. I know what it means to you. 
you know, it, it's just a, a fascinating way to get acquainted for one thing, you know, <laughs> it really is. One thing I want to say that I really noticed about the rosaries, once I started working here, I didn't know the background story of them or what they were used for, but I feel like to anybody that also is in that same boat, or at least was at one point in time, once you see the rosary, it will cause interest for you to want to know the, those things, how nice they look. They're very nice. Thank you. And the children oftentimes will want to put them around their neck. I have no problem with that. They understand that they are blessed, but they feel like then they have something holy around their neck as a, a pledge to Mary. And as a reminder that they are blessed and that their lives are holy yes. and watched over by God. I think that's a, a beautiful way of looking at that. I was going to say, you know, we've talked about the Hail Mary so much, but I thought it would be nice to say this Hail Mary, to pray it. I think that's a good idea because I don't want to assume that all of our listeners are, are Catholic. We probably shouldn't assume that all of our listeners are Christian. And the rosary is made up basically of three prayers, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be. But let's, for purposes of this program, maybe I'll let you do that, Sister Jean Patrick, and then we can talk about it. Does that sound good? Okay. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and pray a Hail Mary for us? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So it's such a simple prayer. It's also a scriptural prayer, right? So what we do when we say the rosary in common, and perhaps we should have done it that way, is that we divide it into two parts. One, the person who's leading the rosary prays the first part, and then everyone who's praying with that person prays the second part. And the first part comes right out of the Gospel of St. Luke. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Do you want to say that first part again? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. That's the first part. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So if you turn to Luke's gospel, you will find when Mary has been told by God that she's going to be the mother of God's son, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth in a town nearby. And when she arrives at Elizabeth's home, that first part of the rosary is what Elizabeth says to her in scripture which I just think is so beautiful. It really shows how rooted that tradition is in the gospel. The second part is a kind of an intercession. Um, yeah, the, the very end of it is what I often think of now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And I think with having just buried Dave, somehow that comes across to me, like when, when Jeremiah asks me what I think about when I'm making the rosary, well, when I'm saying the rosary, I try to make that so real that, that yes, we are all going to die someday. And so we're praying for that time now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Yeah. So what we're doing really is we're calling on Mary's perpetual protection of us 
intercession for us with God. Right. And that's so beautiful that you mentioned, Dave. I think for our listeners, we want to explain that. Dave worked with us here at the Mother House. He was a young man when he recently passed away. And that's been very hard on all of us here because we love Dave a lot. I think it's beautiful that now when you're praying your rosary in these days while we're still mourning Dave's loss, that you are thinking of him at that moment. Yes. Yes. And I think that's really true of a rosary. It's a very comforting prayer. And so often with all my own family members that I've accompanied in death or our sisters as they approach death, often when they can no longer say a rosary out loud, they are still holding on to it. And that in itself is a beautiful prayer. And it's a tradition within the Catholic Church that when we die, we are buried with a rosary as well. Oh, and that reminds me, when I worked in, uh, well, one of the places where I worked where I made rosaries, this dear lady, when she died, she had asked that that rosary be in her casket. And that always meant so much to me because she meant, she meant, that meant that much to her that that was the rosary that she chose. Because, you know, as far as monetary value, this it's not... I think they're worth about less than a dollar. Of course, being blessed makes a whole different value to them. Right. right. And don't you think, uh, too, that when a rosary is well prayed, and there's some way in which it continues to carry all that prayer? Yeah. 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 I, think, I think that's yeah. that's really true. Yeah. You know? and, then, and when you were talking about our sisters um, and the rosary, we have a tradition here at the mother house when our sisters die that we go to the chapel and pray the rosary for them the next day or even that day sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, it really is. It's a prayer of tremendous comfort. Let's take a break for a minute and let Myra, who's in archives, tell you about a new project that she's been working on. I recently created a story map. Um, it's basically uh, telling the story of the first 20 years of the congregation. I got this idea from the Grand Rapids Dominicans and Hope Dominicans, who's also done their own story map. My main thing was also just to have these things in the archive be accessible. And so we'll get like a lot of old pictures of buildings or pictures of sisters together that we hadn't seen. So that's always a joy to get that out there to people. One of the things that I like in the story map is the map that you have of that oh, journey. Yes. I really try to relegate it to their journey and how these steps took them to certain places, even certain missions, you know, that they had to take on so they could expand their reach. Go to springfieldop.org and visit the Our Story section to see Myra's story map, The Journey to Springfield. That's springfieldop.org. What do you do here at the convent? Could you explain to our listeners? My ministry here at the convent is to uh, work in transportation. I'm the coordinator of all the trips that we need to make to the doctor. Sometimes they're fun trips, but mostly they're doctor trips that I do through the week at least. We have a lot of sisters that need transportation. We have what I call regular drivers, and we have companion drivers. The regular drivers are ones that just deliver the person to the uh, appointment, but 
don't necessarily go in with them. They're able to go in by themselves. The companion drivers, which of course, having more and more of those now, they go in with the sister to the appointment because so many times the sister's not able to remember what the doctor said or, or you know, something like that. It's a ministry that I truly love. I used to do a lot more traveling with it. Uh, we've kind of uh, cut down on that now. And many of the sisters, like if they go on their home visits, they're able to take themselves to those home visits. So I'm not responsible for driving them to their. It used to be I'd go to Chicago, I'd go to St. Louis, and you know, I love that. But See, that's because I traveled all my life before I entered the convent. And um, anyway, I think it's a job well suited for me. I love doing it. I was thinking the same thing, that uh, you started your life traveling and right. it has become uh, a ministry. And right. of course, itinerancy is a part of our Dominican life. So there's that. Yes, yes. That was all thanks to my dad. He's the one who loved to travel. And we had a hardware store at home, so he, he couldn't just take off. But we planned a big trip pretty much every year. And uh, as long as we had other people working for us, then we'd take off. But then as we got older, some of us had to stay home. So we took trips uh, with friends or something like that instead of with the family. I remember the last big family trip we took, we went... Uh, to California. We traveled out there with the northern route and returned on the southern route, but that was the last time that all five of my uh, brothers and sisters went with us, and that was a wonderful memory. How many rosaries do you suppose your family said between Rushville and your destination in California? Oh, well, every day we were gone. We usually just said one a day, you know, so yeah. No, that was, that was true. And, and my dad is the one who started that, you know? Yeah, he started that. My father was a daily communicant. He went to communion every morning. And so that's why we had to go 18 miles to get there. You know, it's amazing when I think about that, the faith my father had, yeah, just amazing. He I think clearly he instilled that in you and I think in yeah. all of his children. And he would be real proud of me making all these rosaries. <laughs> yeah. I think he'll be really proud in the 20 minute mark. That's what that's what would make him, you know. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. <laughs> well, if you knew my dad, yeah. He loved, <laughs> he loved uh, things to be done well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you sure do a beautiful job with your rosaries and i have seen um the impact that they make in people's lives and heard the stories yes it's i think it's an important ministry thank you i love it it's one of those hidden ministries we talk about it's not uh going to be listed on your card of ministries you know like when you're assigned to teach in this school or teach in that school there's no assignment that says make rosaries so sister beth murphy where can our listeners request a rosary 
if our listeners would like to have one of Sister Jean Patrick's rosaries, they can go to flowcastlisten.org and fill out the form that will be there with their name and their mailing address and Sister Jean Patrick will get them a rosary. I think you will, right, Sister Jean Patrick? Right, absolutely. <laughs> I am just hoping that we don't have to have a round-the-clock rosary-making session in order for yeah, you right. to fulfill I have, all those orders. I may have to train people fast. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for listening to Flowcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Washington. I had a wonderful conversation with Sister Beth Murphy and Sister Jean Patrick Earhart, and stay blessed. Thank you, Jeremiah. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye-bye now.